Hey everyone, it's Rocket. Let me just be straight with you up front. This is going to be another one of those weird episodes because we are <laughs> recording this on Wednesday as um, there is a coup happening in Washington, D.C. Uh, white supremacists and, uh, yeah, white supremacists yeah, are... that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, storming the Capitol building. Um I'm yeah. So that's that's what's been happening today. Uh, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna give you your same old wonderful fun t- tech show. It's just Bree and me today. Brianna Wu, um, executive director of the Rebellion Pack, mm-hmm. which brings me to actually <laughs> a good bit of news from this week and from today, which is that both of the the races that you, Brianna, were were working to support in Georgia, both of your candidates have won. That's true. And, you know, I, I guess the reason I wanted to talk about this today is, you know, it's like uh, uh, this is Christina's home state, right? And I wanted to celebrate this with her. I, I know it's long been a, a dream for her, for her state to, you know, reflect her personal political beliefs. And, um, you know, we, we really, really worked hard, Simone. We did not just put out ads. We built up a team of over 50 people to canvas, to text bank, to knock on doors, to, to call people. I mean, we have, we have really been working hard. And I did it while my knee was swollen up, <laughs> like three times bigger than it normally is. And I think just speaking for myself, that's what makes today really difficult that, you know, it feels like I want to be celebrating today and I can't because, uh, frankly, we have a bunch of seditionists that are taking over the Capitol. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very bittersweet day to be honest with you. Yeah. And you, you really went right from the presidential election into organizing in Georgia. Like there was no, there was no break. In yeah, between and those I two thought things. I'd have today off, and then I don't get today or tomorrow off either. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it really sucks. Um, but I am, like, I, I knew it was a long shot, and I was always, like, vaguely hopeful, but not, you know, not convinced that Georgia would flip. But yeah. it's, it's thanks to you and people like Stacey Abrams and her whole team working on the ground there and knocking on doors, like you said, yeah. uh, that it happened. And that's really cool. And so half of today has been really, really good. Uh, and then it uh, got <laughs> scary. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll we'll be back here next week, hopefully with a better, um, better thing, a, a celebration to have, yeah. hopefully with Christina next week over Georgia. Yeah, Christina was going to talk tonight about uh, her lovely uh, AirPod Pros or what are they called? AirPods again? The- Max. AirPod <laughs> Max or whatever it's called. The name doesn't make any sense at all. <sighs> I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah, and, sorry, and, we'll and by get the way, into... sorry, my phone is blowing up. People it's are okay. texting I'm not me. surprised. I'm turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into the show. And thanks everyone um, for tuning in this week. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. So it's a week of huge news. <laughs> I tell you what. Can we just like flip the script here? We were going to talk about. Something, uh, a big political thing that happened in tech this week. I need a break, f- break from that. I want to talk about graphic shaders <gasps> in bottles. I just want to flip it up and start with something fun today. How does that sound? That sounds like the best idea you've ever had. <laughs> so my video finally came out. Wow. The, actually, this this really smart, lovely, um, good on camera person at Polygon released a video about the boozy bottle shaders in Half-Life Alex. So Half-Life Alex came out in March of 2020. And around May of 2020, 
uh, it got a patch that added a new shader for these uh, bottles of alcohol that are all around. There's a whole, they're, they're in, you know, everywhere, but there's a particular level that takes place in a distillery, uh, which has just tons of bottles and the player has to interact with them because it's a VR game. And one of the mechanics is to like grab bottles and toss them and et cetera, et cetera. I won't spoil why it's very fun. Um, <laughs> But the bottles, when the game launched, they were, you know, beautifully rendered bottles, but they were opaque. There was no appearance of liquid in them. There was no appearance of, like, being able to see through the glass bottle. Uh, And that's fine because, like, they're really old bottles in a distillery. There's They don't need to be transparent. You can suspend disbelief and be like... "Eh." It's like that old PS3 game thing. Do you know what I mean? When you're playing an older game and they just can't do something... And they get around. You know what it's like? It's like the the cars. When you play old video games and you can just never quite see through the car windows. Yeah, and they shaded yeah. it in a way to kind of fake it, but it just breaks your illusion. And I always felt like that was what uh, uh, Half-Life, Al- Half-Life Alex did with the, uh, the original bottles. And then all that changed in May uh, <laughs> when one of the developers, uh, along with the rest of the, the team over there, Patched in this new shader, which makes the bottles look transparent and look like they have liquid in them. Uh, And the liquid looks like it foams and moves when you shake the bottle, etc., etc. And my wording here is very intentional. They look transparent. They look like they have liquid in them because they are still, in fact, empty and opaque. And the ways that this developer, Matthew Wilde, who I interviewed over the summer, uh, the ways that he implemented this shader are so freaking cool. Uh, but first, Brianna, yes. would you mind as a developer explaining to the people what is a shader? <laughs> well, it, it, shader is a really wide, uh, that's a very generic term, right? Like if you're playing Mario 64, um, you know, technically like the red of his hat and the texture of his face, technically that's a shader. It's a material. But here we're talking about it. It's kind of a shorthand for programmable shader. So uh, this particular developer who, by the way, I, I cannot recommend your video enough, Simone, to you, Simone. Uh, it Thank is just excellent. Excellent. It really honestly would not be out of place at GDC in explaining very technical details. This is my own area of graphics programming, and you got everything 100% right. And I was just, I was like, oh my God, Simone could probably do my job better than me now. No, I'm clutching my face right now because I'm so happy to hear you say that. I'll (laughs) I'll talk later about how freaking nervous I was about this, but yeah, continue. You nailed it. You nailed it. But anyway, the, the long story short, is um how can I put this? If you if you think about a game like Final Fantasy X, when that first came out, um, you, know, you had those scenes of of Titus and and Sin and the water comes sweeping over uh, the city, and that was all done with a, a fluid simulation, right? That's how we did it back then, um, which is basically this very complex way of figuring out how water moves in a way that is perfectly accurate. Um, that's fine for a movie or something you're, you're 3D rendering for a cutscene, but to be live in a VR game, you have to cheat it. So in this particular case, Shader is shorthand for programmable shader, where they went in and kind of uh, defined a repeating texture pattern based on the location, the top and bottom, the, the horizontal orientation of it, and told it like this value is brown, this value is less brown, and kind of uh, telling it what to be there. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and the end result, I really 
I, I am plugging my own video, of course, but my God, please go like look at it because the end result is so good. Like it's it, magical, it, especially yeah. in VR. I think it just yeah. looks incredible. And I, one of the main comments I've gotten on it, which makes me so happy because it kind of just justifies my making this video is people going, oh yeah, when I played this game and first picked up a bottle, I played with it for like 10 minutes because I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, and that to me is like the essence of the whole thing. Like it, it really just takes it, it, it's something that is so simple in real life. Like I pick up a bottle, I shake it there, the liquid moves, duh, that becomes this endeavor, this creative endeavor when you try to recreate that in a video game. Right. But I think it's even more important for something like Half-Life Alex. Uh, you know, I'm talking, I've talked on Rocket before about my first experience at uh, Oculus, uh, the Oculus uh, uh, convention, the second Oculus convention, and getting to try this technology for the first time. And they put this cube in front of you, and you get to pick it up, and it has weight, and you could, like, play with the, the, the Oculus gloves, like, mm. measure your fingers as you're moving it. So this very simple act of picking up and putting down a, a, a cube that doesn't exist uh, really felt the the technical game design term for it is immersive. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this has a gameplay function because ha, uh, you know uh, Half-Life Alex is trying to sell you on this immersive VR world. And the bottles, because it is so indistinguishable from a real life bottle with liquor inside of it. Um, it it's really stunning to look at. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk uh, briefly about some of the the specific ways that he made this work because um, I find it so fascinating. <laughs> so like like I was saying, the actual bottle, the virtual bottle, is not actually transparent. It just looks like it is. And the way that he did that is uh, he basically took the game's cube maps, which is what the game would use to represent reflection. So basically, I have a reflective surface and based on approximately where I, the player, am standing, the game is going to pull an approximate image of what should be the reflection they're not in without ray tracing. They're not like entirely photo accurate, but you generally get away with it because it's like good enough. Uh, and I brought up the uh, Spider-Man for PS4 mm-hmm. in this because that that's full of these big glass skyscrapers with reflections, like reflecting the buildings. And there was this whole like uh, not controversy, but uh, rumor, this rumor when it came out about how there was an Easter egg to the Twin Towers in the game because you'd be climbing this skyscraper and you would see the reflection, this reflection of two towers in the glass that you were climbing on. But when you got to the top of the building and looked into the distance, there was the Freedom Tower. And if you looked behind you to where the buildings, those quote-unquote two towers would be, there was nothing there. So it was like, oh, it's this ghost reflection. You're facing where the Twin Towers would have been. Uh, And then when you get there, you see there's nothing there but the Freedom Tower. And it turns out that it's like one of those human, beautiful human pattern recognition things where we see a narrative and we want to believe it's true, but it was actually just like the cube map was pulling an image from the building that you were climbing on and the building that was next to it. And those were the two buildings that were in the reflection. Right. Um, and that's, that's just something that happens. And unless you were like looking at the reflection and then spinning around behind you to make sure it was accurate, 
you would never notice Which that. people it, did, by the way. They, of That's course, the did. They part. did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the point is, this is how, this is what he used to make refraction on this bottle was basically he uses the cube map to pull an, again, an approximate image from what should be behind the bottle. And it creates this distorted image of, you know, what else is in the room. So you can be looking at the bottle and you're seeing what's behind it, but you're not actually seeing through the bottle. You're seeing a distorted, basically, view (laughs) from the cube map. And that's the coolest and weirdest thing (laughs) well it makes a lot of sense right because you're trying to do this reflection but it's really refraction which is a much i mean it's it's just different like computationally and it because you're not expecting like a mirror perfect image it's it's just like down and dirty cheat that 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 works right Mm -hmm. yeah and another one of my favorite bits of trivia that did not make it into the video because we did not have footage of it. Um, we were talking about when he was originally implementing this shader, um, putting, making it look like there's liquid in these bottles. And at that point, if you broke a bottle, the shader would still be applied to the glass shards. What? So you could actually pick up a glass shard and cause it's like, well, this is bottle. So it's shaders on it. Um, you could see liquid like in the shard, and, you Whoa. know, shake the glass shard and the liquid would be there. And I so wanted to put this in the video. I, I had it written into the script. But in the end, because the project was closed, he wasn't able to get me footage of that happening. Um, <laughs> but I wa- I'm telling everyone because I, I think it's the coolest. It's just one of those things that you think it, it, it's not an expected problem, but it's like, oh, of course, video games have have created this fascinating abstract art basically this surreal situation where you have a glass shard that has liquid inside of it (laughs) why did they end up pulling that feature was it just too computationally was it adding to the to the well because it's a mistake because it's just like a piece of broken glass but the shader is still on it oh got it okay yeah Yeah, that makes sense to me i was thinking Yeah, but I don't know. Now I want Half Life, uh, Half Life episode for a uh, uh, liquor bottle. Yeah, Half Life <laughs> Surrealist just, Edition. Right. Oh my gosh. Uh. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, for you, what I found so interesting about this is, you know, Simone, this is this was the le- legitimate journalism that you were doing. Like you, you, you found a kind of technical mystery in a game. And you you really got this developer and got him to tell his story in a way that was, uh, frankly, I feel like it was educational about how shaders work in a way that was a lot more accessible than most of the videos you might get at GDC or on, you know, uh, Polycount or something mm-hmm. like that, like the technical forms. What was your process of kind of researching all these uh, all these different uh, technical aspects of uh, graphical shaders Ooh. and and putting it into a video? Like, did you do you have like a game dev friend that you just pulled and asked a bunch of oh, questions? Oh, that's so to? funny what that, that you that would like? ask because yeah. I think if I if I go back in my WhatsApp. And I, I look at this chat with Brianna Wu. <laughs> I did that? No. <laughs> I might find a question from October 27th where really? I'm asking her. 
Uh, if I asked you to tell me what a shader is in plain English, how would you oh, describe that's right. it? That's right. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope uh, I hope that was helpful. Oh my goodness. You were so helpful. You were incredibly helpful. Um, you indeed, you described it in plain English and I, I used that. But so it started with basically sitting Matt down. Like I did research on sh- like, what is a shader um, to start with? And then I I sat Matt down and I basically just he was so wonderfully candid, um, and I really appreciated that. I, I I would love yeah love to touch on this actually because I think a lot of times in the game industry, there's a big culture of secrecy, um, and yep. part of that I I understand because a lot of times there have been instances where a trailer will show something or a, a publisher will say that a feature is going to be in a game. And it won't be there to the scope that toxic fans expected it to be. And there'll be, you know, blowback. I think, speaking of CDPR, God rest their souls. uh, There was something like that with The Witcher 3, like about grass texture. Like something as silly as grass texture. It was like, this isn't as detailed as we thought it was going to be. And it's like, (laughs) wow, calm down, everyone. So to some degree, I understand developers not wanting to go into like huge detail about how they do things um however in this instance valve was so open with me and matt in particular was just like he sat down and our first conversation we talked for an hour um and he just let me ask the dumbest questions in the world um and and that's part of the process for me is just even if i know the answer to something like even if i've just googled what is a shader and i have an explanation of what i think a shader is i need to ask those dumb questions cuz i want him to tell me what his definition of a shader is right. and asking that stuff is just so oh, it's <laughs> invaluable um and then after even after that, it was just a lot of like talking to you, even so briefly, going back to those videos and articles about like what is a shader again. Oh. <laughs> um, that's those are all resources that I kind of just pulled together, and then again, like running my explanations past you is like if I explained it in this way, is that right? <laughs> Am I just because sometimes when you try to translate something, you think you understand it. Right. Like this happened actually when I was interviewing Matt for the first time. Um, th- I had this impression that the shader was not one thing. Like there was like liquid, there was like bottle with liquid in it shader and bottle without liquid in it shader. And he was like, no, no, no. It's all, it's all one thing. <laughs> it's just mixed. <laughs> it's all layered together and computed and then outputs this one shader. And right, right. so that was like a misunderstanding where if I hadn't, you know, checked back with him <laughs> again, <laughs> dodged bullets. <laughs> you don't want angry, uh, angry program, uh, shader programming nerds angry at you on the internet. Yeah. But, no, no. And this is the last I'll say about this. Moment. But, um, you know, one thing, um, yeah, I'm on the, the, the board. I, I, I'm on a board for a tech startup, uh, with a, a recently famous, uh, founder. And I, you know, it's like, as you get older, you really appreciate things that do, people do better than than you could do. And you know, he has a leadership style where he's just, he, he leads his team in a very different way than I do. And I really appreciate that. So I, 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 I was watching this video with you and I was, 
I was so impressed with every bit of it. I was delighted we could do this for a topic today because not only are you using your warmth and your likability to kind of um, uh, push past this like cone of silence that the video game industry tends towards in in interacting with press, um, you you made something that is really educational and it's it's delightful at the same time. And I just uh, I I obviously watch as many of your videos as I can when they come out. This was one of my favorites, and I think you should be very proud of Thank it. Thank you so much. That it, that really means a lot to me, and that that what you touched on there about the relationship between developers and press is so important to me because I really, really, really wanted to tell this right, even though it's quite a bit more technical than something that I would generally make. I really wanted to do it right. And I really wanted to, you know, give reward (laughs) valve (laughs) no, but like make it worth it for them and make it worth it for Matt that he talked to me for so long because we probably talked for like two hours (laughs) on various calls um to get this right and he you know looked he proofread my script he fact-checked my script to make sure I wasn't lying Uh, (laughs) or (laughs) not lying but misunderstanding something and um yeah I just really wanted it to be worth all the time that everyone was putting into it and I I am so glad to hear that you liked it because I, I you are I a technical person and I respect your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Rocket listeners. I know it's not our normal news, but uh, yeah. I thought we'd start the show off with something happy this week. That's a great idea. <laughs> and hey, this episode of Rocket is also brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe you want to create a portfolio or a blog. Oh my gosh, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Squarespace has all that stuff covered, so you don't need to worry. They also have, what, award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help along the way. Oh, Squarespace also lets you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. And of course, uh, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. If you looked at Squarespace a few years ago and liked their templates, guess what? They've got more templates now. They've got new updated templates. So you haven't seen the last of me, Squarespace. Go look at it. Hey, Squarespace plans, sp- plans, Squarespace plans, Squarespace plans. What do they this, start Simone. at? I believe in you. Guess, guess a number. <laughs> 700. 700. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and show your support for what? For ROCKET. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash ROCKET and the code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. And that's what they say. That's as the kids say. Well, well, well. <laughs> Let's move on to some big news. But it's actually, you know, it's not heavy. It's interesting. 
It's good. It's, I mean, it's good yeah. news, I think. Yeah. I think so, too. I'm glad we agree. Yay! No dissent. <laughs> so, <laughs> surprise, on Monday, uh, a group of Google employees announced that they are forming a union with the Communications Workers of America. Now, this is a minority union, so it does not need to go through the usual process of secrecy and voting and recognition by Google. Um, it just is a union. It's the Alphabet Workers Union. Um, it has over, I believe, over 400 members now as of Wednesday, and it's open to both employees and contractors, uh, throughout Alphabet, which is, of course, Google's parent company, which was formed during the tenure of this show. I remember. You kids today don't remember a time without Alphabet. I do. (laughs) Um, So, obviously, this comes at a time when, for years, we've seen a lot of political conversations uh, and political actions, rather, from workers at Google who um, protest things like the company working with drone contractors or creating a a search engine just for China um, that doesn't show objectionable content, quote unquote, objectionable content. Uh, Google workers are, you know, they're very, they tend to be very involved um, and they've been increasingly vocal about that. And now they have a union. Uh, So they're saying to the New York Times, the reason this is a minority union uh, rather than going the route of like needing to get a majority is this isn't for them about negotiating a contract. This is about giving, quote unquote, structure and longevity to activism at Google. And we've seen, you know, walkouts from Google employees before, but now there's kind of this organization that can can speak for these workers Um, Previously, I learned, Google's security and cafeteria workers unionized with, um, not with the Communications Workers of America, but with different unions. And there's an office, uh, a Google office in Pittsburgh that unionized with steel workers for some reason, even though they're office workers. But we don't, yay, (laughs) is the answer to that. So this was this was really good news, and I think something that wasn't uh, really talked about in the coverage was uh, Google's union is part of the Communication Workers of America. This is also the larger union that many game developers are are starting to work with. So this is a, a really strong alliance between not just people at, at Google, but also the people that make your video games, which I think is uh, very good here. Um, you know, Simone, uh, something they said in the New York Times article that I think is really important to emphasize is historically there are reasons for uh, for Google engineers to to organize about pay, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what this is primarily about. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of a, a history reminder, um, Steve Jobs and Google leadership came to an agreement uh, back in the early days of the iPhone to have a no poach agreement, mm-hmm. where they agreed to not try to recruit each other's engineers, so they would stay there at a lower salary and not disrupt projects. Uh, There was eventually a big uh, lawsuit about that where I believe the workers were successful. So that would be enough of a reason to advocate for a union. Uh, But what I think is more important and what uh, the people leading this this charge have, have talked about 
is the things Google builds has wider consequences for our democracy and for our safety. A really good example mm-hmm. is uh, a lot of their AI choices. There was a very famous case that we probably should have covered on Rocket. We'll get around to that soon uh, of a, a worker on the AI team uh, basically uh, being shown the door because <laughs> they didn't want her research to be published on AI bias when it came to race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with military contracts, when it comes to image recognition and AI and DL uh, APIs, there is there are real conversations that need to be had here. And, you know, one of the things I think that's made the game industry get to this really user hostile place is often, um, you know, like a, a game like Mass Effect uh, Andromeda that has a lot of microtransactions built in. I don't think the game designers want that choice. I think the money men get involved and they kind of push game design in that direction. And in that same way, I often think it's not the engineers that are pushing for some of these choices. I think it's it's the business people. So I think that this is actually a, a really necessary ethical check on making sure that these systems we build um, will actually have a, a, a higher level of accountability than just what's good for Google's bottom line. I, I know that was very verbose, but do you agree with that? Do you disagree? I absolutely agree. And I think the point about um, about the games industry is really interesting because this, this does feel like a stepping stone in a way. And I, I think that that was some of the the concern that some people at Google and in the tech industry at large were having was this feeling that the communications workers of America is like, quote unquote, trying to claim turf rather than properly represent people. But I am definitely of the opinion that this is a very good move. And I would love to see workers in the game industry Follow, more workers in the game industry follow suit with this because it is an industry that uh, it has so many contract workers who, mm-hmm. in the case of this union, are will be will, can be represented by the union in ways that in other unions they might not be, which is so valuable. Um, and it's an industry with a lot of turnover and a lot of burnout and just a lot of, as we've seen, crunch across the board. And there has to be a way to balance the the top line's economic needs to <laughs> make huge unwieldy things and get them out on certain schedules like we ask so much of these workers i think it's really really important to give the workers a chance to a, a formalized way to organize and speak back and express their needs Um, and yeah, it's just so, so important. I mean, unions are the reason that we have a five day work week or 40 hour work week. Unions are the reason that we have health and safety concerns in the workplace at all. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, I hope I hope I can say this on the yeah. show, but I've I've certainly followed the Vox Union account, which you are a part of. I and am. as COVID has impacted uh, your company, just like other companies, uh, there have been things that your union has benefit has fought for that seems to favor people like you. If I can say that, yeah, definitely. God, I'm I'm not on the organizing committee, but our union was spending hours and hours in meetings um, when a bunch of our employees got furloughed, just trying to figure out like what 
what can we do to mm-hmm. to help these people? What can we do? Is there a way that we can bring them back? Like we <laughs> most people in our union did not we we volunteered to take pay cuts rather than furlough or layoff people. Um we right. were not taken up on that. But anyway, um there, yeah, so there it is. My experience with unions, disclaimer, has been very good. Yeah. And that's not to say, you know, I now that I'm not running for office, I can say this. uh, Simone, you know, I I dealt with a lot of unions uh, running for office here in Boston. And like all human organizations, it is sometimes about the people in charge having power. I ran into plenty of situations that I found just flat out wildly sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, I found plenty of situations of the old guard in Boston uh, supporting people that I feel were against my values and the values of what unions tend to fight for because it was best for the unions. I don't have any like illusions that that stuff doesn't happen. But, uh, you know, the, you can't fight the... The, the good and wait for the perfect, you know, mm-hmm. I the bottom mm-hmm. line is at the end of the day, do these organizations tend to help uh, their workers more than they hurt them? And I, I, I think that that's very clearly. Yes. I, I think that there's been a sense in the tech industry that, Oh, unions, that's for the, that's for the, the plumber that for the fixes my house or, or that auto worker or that other person. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reality is we, we share a lot more than we don't share. And I I think it's ultimately about you having power and having a say, not just in your working conditions, but in the the ethical standards that you hold yourself to. And um, I I really hope that uh, this move will keep moving forward. I think that if we saw Facebook unionize, I think that would be a much different company. Yes, yes. And I, I think y- you bring up a, a great point. I, I feel like um, the relationship between the quote unquote blue collar workers and say an engineer or whoever at one of these tech companies, they're not as far apart um, as as one might assume. And like the tech industry is so, so, so young. It deserves just just because it's new doesn't mean that the problems that unions originally were created to solve have gone away. Like just because right. it's 2020 now or 2021 now doesn't mean the problems that existed in 1900 won't happen in a new industry, in a new company. Um, so it's so worth looking at the way that we treat workers, um, yep. especially in these new industries that really are they, – they touch every single part of our lives, whether you're part of the tech industry or not. You know, you're you're involved in tech. Um, because well you use it anyway. This episode of Rocket <laughs> is brought to you by DoorDash. You've got <gasps> one. oh, you're excited. Can I tell you something? Yeah, Smoke, do. even as we're doing this ad, it's been a rough day, and I DoorDashed Frank Wu, my beloved husband that does not exercise. $50 worth of Kentucky fried chicken, oh, which I hear him munching upstairs, even as we're recording. Again, marriage goals. <laughs> as always. Yes. You've got plenty on your to-do list. Laundry, emails, errands, goodness knows what else. <laughs> Organizing special elections in Georgia. I don't know. <laughs> You've got plenty going on. Give yourself one less thing to worry about. Let DoorDash take care of your next meal. 
DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be safely left outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. So important. Infection rates are skyrocketing. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory, and perhaps even Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> so you you've already you you did a you did it tonight, Bree. This whole personal experience <laughs> you've you've given it to me. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm actually starving that. right now. I'm gonna. So I listeners, I'm back in New York now as of yesterday, um, and I am of course in quarantine again. So because I ate all of my food before I left. This is going to be my life for the next, you know, until I can get that test, baby, is ordering food to my home. It's a way to live. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and then enter the code ROCKET. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter Rocket. Download it now. Don't forget that's code Rocket for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Let's eat some dessert. <laughs> Let's do it. This is a sad dessert, or I'm, I'm not going to lie, this is a happy dessert for me. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to go on what I've read because I <laughs> this is the topic I forgot to study for. And it's fun because it's dessert. Kim Kardashian much and Kanye West it. are getting yeah. divorced. Yep. That's it. That's the dessert. I, for <laughs> one, am happy about this. Um, I, I want to be careful about the way we talk about Kanye because I feel like he's going through some stuff. Yep. Um, but he has just been... Uh, unreliable for a few years um and you know kim kardashian definitely has her problems as well but no woman should be yeah yeah no woman should be stuck in a marriage like that when your husband is being really volatile online um and being yeah the way that he is so they're getting divorced i'm happy yeah so i I, can i just start off this topic talking about i there's a feminist uh defense of kim kardashian that i feel needs to be made for a lot of people you know there's there's a tendency towards thinking that any woman that uh, let's be clear like she primarily capitalizes on her looks and you know like she she has a very feminine persona right like that's how she makes her money there's a real tendency in our culture to dismiss that or or mock that and i i want to say i've i've done that in the past um and i'm not going to tell you that i think kim is like some shining force for good in the world but what what i will say is i think she's a lot smarter than what her critics have given her credit for and i do think that she's done some good like she has legitimately gotten some some great things done on a prison sentence reform. Um, you know, she is going to law school right now to further that goal. I actually believe that you know, 10 years from now, 
I think there's a very good possibility she could run for office. Um, at, at the very least, she's very serious about becoming a lawyer. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever tweeted about Kim Kardashian. She's just not someone I, I think about. But I do think this kind of dismissal of her in our culture is is rooted in an unconscious sexism that we have, this kind of dismissing the feminine. Um, I think on the other side, you've got Kanye, who has just been a train wreck. Um, and I, I'm talking most recently about his choice to run for president of the United States, which was just flat out mm. narcissistic and, and damaging and did not glorify anything but Kanye himself. Uh, I watched many of the speeches and it was so, it was, it's so weird. It's just like a mirror image of Trump, right? Mm. You've got someone that's that's uh, uh, that's convinced they are the chosen one, that they alone can fix it, and it, everything they do, it's a it's a it's a stunt. It's a reality show. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like that just combined with all the horror of the last few years in what Kanye's public uh, presence has been, I just, I, I kind of feel like Kim Kardashian is really growing up and doing some important things. And it's, it's not surprising to me. They've grown apart. How, how do you feel? I feel exactly the same way. I would love <laughs> to see a moratorium on celebrity politicians mm-hmm, or at mm-hmm. the very least, if you're a celebrity and you want to be a politician, let's start small. Let's <laughs> not start <laughs> with the office of president of the United States. Right. Let's start by doing what you're doing and yeah. organizing on a local level. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to Kim, like I, I definitely I, I have heard the, some of the criticisms of her that I have heard that I do uh, that I do agree with are that the way that that family kind of does appropriate black culture um, Mm -hmm. in like hairstyles and uh, in excessive tanning, like Mm -hmm. the ways that they have in particular gotten plastic surgery and styled Mm -hmm. themselves is very like black culture adjacent. Um, And I I think that that's a really valid criticism, but I totally agree with everything that you've said about her as a savvy businesswoman and also as someone who's interested in becoming a lawyer. Like, I think that's dope. I think that that's uh, a really lofty or worthy goal. Um, and you're totally right. Like, like that family is so, they're very, they're, I mean, they're, they're PR savvy is what they are. Yeah. And they, it makes complete sense to me that like, they see this situation and they want to distance themselves from it because it's they know better than to kind of buy into that that idea <laughs> of Kanye West as the savior of America. Right. Um, yeah, so well, it makes it's total not sense. to say they're not making bad decisions themselves. I mean, Kim's like island retreat for her. What was it? Fortieth birthday oh God, yeah, or whatever it yeah. was in the middle of COVID. Like, hi y'all, I'm going to go party on my private island. That's a PR disaster. That was a poor decision. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like 
Kim is making enough poor decisions <laughs> on her own yeah. that that uh, she doesn't need to tie her star to this. I just and and I I completely agree with that criticism. There was the kimono thing this year where she was selling body shapers and very much appropriating Asian culture. I I think that's fair. I just when I think about how many families have. Uh, uh, paid their have have made a, a a name for themselves and a living for themselves by marketing machismo, right? Mm-hmm. Like think about that t- terrible uh, Terry Bradshaw show on E or Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone, right? Or uh, uh, Eli and Peyton Manning, right? Like they're kind of wrapping themselves in that good old American macho boy thing. Mm-hmm. We don't blink twice at that. And I just, I feel strongly it's a double standard that, you know, we seem to dislike women that do the opposite thing. Um, and I just, I think it's a dated stereotype and, um, I I I I normally don't get particularly involved with uh, a celebrity drama, but with this one, I'm just I'm really I I like Kim Kardashian overall, and I don't like Kanye West, and I just uh, I'm happy to see this happen. Well said. Well, all right. This there's sirens all over the place. I don't think it's a problem. It's just annoying to me and making for bad audio. So I think it's time. Then we wrap up our show. Brianna, what are you doing this week? <laughs> so, uh, jog my memory. Did I tell uh, Did I tell you last week about the new car that I got? I think that you did. I, I may have. So I'm still working on that. I finally fulfilled a lifelong dream, and I got a steal on a 1986 air-cooled Porsche 911. It's in gorge red. It is a Targa and it is absolutely beautiful. This car has no power steering. It has no, it has, uh, it has like a just manual shifter and it is, it is an alternate oh. world. So I am slowly, you know, I feel like I've earned a little bit of time off with all the hours that I've been putting in. So um, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to do a bunch of projects on that car. I'm going to take out everything in the interior. I'm really going to clean it. I'm going to detail it. And um, I don't think it's going to happen this week, but I'm hopeful that next week uh, Frank and I will uh, be able to get out of town for an entire weekend and just jump in that thing and get the hell out of Boston, go to an Airbnb in the middle of Vermont and just throw the phone in the lake (laughs) so I don't have to deal with any more of this. That's what I'm You're describing my fantasy, my deepest fantasy, (laughs) cruising up to Vermont in a beautiful old car. Yeah. Um, did you say you you did say you were going to swing by and pick me up first, right? Like I heard that correctly. Yes, we're going to do that. Okay. Uh, assuming you've had your your COVID. Shoot, yeah, vaccine. I can't leave. <laughs> yeah, right. Stay it may away. just be Frank and I then. So also, it's a Porsche, so there's nowhere for you to be. That's like, true. Literally, that's so, <laughs> so true. Except you've seen Death Proof, right? I have, yes. Yeah, so I would be clinging to the hood of the car with two belts, uh, playing ship's mast. That's how we're going. That gonna, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's yeah. very legal and safe. Um, yeah. This week I'm building a lot of furniture. So in a sort of fit, you know, every four years, I guess, I guess it is every four years now, <laughs> I decide to nest ever deeper into my home. Um in 2016, I became very anxious and I bought a lot of furniture. And now in 2020, it has happened 
again. I bought all new furniture for my kitchen, so I, I will literally, quite literally, be spending the next week assembling flat pack furniture. <laughs> and I can't tell you how happy that makes me. Do you know what I, yeah, I think like we're kind of doing the same thing here because when I want to unplug from something, it's, it's like the, you're working with your hands, you're following instructions, you're putting it together, you're, you're making something that you're proud to have in your, your home that makes you, you happy. I, 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 I really think this is the same instinct that we have. You are so, yes, you're completely, completely right. Like it's that thing where it's like, this is my hobby that makes me, that it brings me joy. <laughs> yeah. Not a hobby, really. That's the wrong word. But I guess in your case, it is more of a hobby since you're really like fixing up these cars and stuff. Yeah. Um, and in my case, it's a hobby because I'm a homemaker <laughs> for myself. <laughs> is, your, is your house in New York or your apartment big enough for that? It is. <laughs> I proved today. <laughs> listen the kitchen is going to be so much more space efficient when i am done and i will send you pictures um cool well brianna where can we find you online you can find me online at brianna Wu on twitter and you can uh help me uh this is really important like we've won georgia and we helped win the presidency uh and you know we've got big moves coming up so i think i've proven that i can deliver results and uh, i hope you will continue to sort support uh rebellion pack at helptherebellion.com yeah and you can find me at youtube.com slash polygon where you can see my latest video and at twitter uh doom quasar on twitter um which i will be logging out of this week what um but usually i'm there you can find me there it's great it's a fun time we all have a great time spewing our thoughts into that platform um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. I hope it brought you joy, um, just like my furniture does me and Breeze Cars do her. If you liked it so much that you were like, my God, I wish I could leave a review for this show or a star rating like, what the heck? I can't figure it out. Let me help you. You can do that in Apple Podcasts or perhaps in the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, but rating the podcast in Apple Podcasts helps uh, other people see it and find it as well. And then they can experience the joy of us, which is so important. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone for listening. This episode of rocket is terminated. Terminated. Terminated.